G'day. Uh, welcome to Lunch Money. Uh, you are live with uh, your social media and online home for special situations, workouts and capital raising professionals. My name is Nick Samios. I am the fund manager and director here at Hermes Capital and I'm your Lunch Money host. Uh, so uh, a very warm welcome to you. Um, today we're going to talk about uh, credit risk. Credit risk from a uh, trade credit point of view. In other words, from a supplier's point of view, those those people who supply credit uh, for goods, uh, typically on a business to business basis, but sometimes uh, on a consumer basis as well. And there's a lot of people. There's a whole industry, a whole uh, profession, I should say, uh, out there of people who are making decisions day to day uh, as to how much credit uh, to extend to. Uh, to people who are buying on credit and uh, and how to manage that credit and it's obviously been um, it's been a very hot area in the last 12 months so that's what we're going to talk about today uh, with two very special guests who will help us uh, step through that in fact I'm going to talk about the Australian Institute of Credit Managers um, uh, risk report for 2021 and I saw that on LinkedIn and that's what sort of alerted me that maybe that's something we should talk about here on Lunch Money. Before we get into that, uh, I would like to remind you to uh, share, like or subscribe to uh, our humble podcast and live stream. Um, it uh, helps to spread the word, get the message out there that uh, we've got. Um, this is the online and social media home. So uh, uh, let's, let's bring them all home. Uh, the other thing I would like to do is to remind anyone who's watching live, that if you ask a live question or make a, an interesting live uh, point, we will send you out one of these lunch money mugs. I normally have one to sort of flash, but uh, we, we sent out our last one last week. So there's a new fresh batch on order. Um, so I would invite you to participate if, uh, if there's something you'd like to ask of one of our guests. So Without further ado, I will introduce our first guest today is Nicholas Palavides. G'day, Nick. How are you? I'm great, Nick. Yourself? Fantastic. Now, Nick is the uh, Chief Executive Officer of the Australian Institute of Credit Management. Uh, he's been in that role for nearly seven years now. The AICM uh, itself has been around for a long, long time. I've certainly known of it for as long as I've been in credit, which has been a long time. Um, and, so, and Nick has, has got a deep experience as an actual credit manager. So you've actually you've actually done the job and, and been there at the coalface uh, in industry. So what is it that's uh, been keeping you busy lately, Nick? Yeah, it definitely has been a busy week. Uh, looking forward to the end of it. Um, like most week, it's been very varied as a relatively small organisation um, across a, a few different things, but it's been great to be out with uh, industry, with uh, different industry bodies, with the government and regulators, um, representing our members on, on what they're seeing, um, and lots of great conversations with our members and credit professionals generally about what they're seeing and how things are playing out. Like most organisations coming into the end of financial year, um, bit of the number crunching and budgets is also shoot up some some late night hours and i guess uh, so the role of your association of, of is uh, a to help uh people that are credit managers help them with their professionalization getting credentials that sort of thing and also i guess keeping them current with with what's going on legislative changes and all that sort of stuff yep definitely yeah we're across all that so yeah we're for the individual the, the credit professional that's working for a credit provider or any of the aligned industries to that. Um, and we do a range of things from uh, industry publications. We're currently working on um, a hardship report in the consumer space. 
Um, as you mentioned, our risk report recently, we've got magazines, newsletters, those sorts of things that go out regularly. Um, big into awards, we got a Young Credit Professional Award. That's how I got involved with the AICM when I was a young credit professional. Um, uh, lots of uh, activities, events. We've got our Women in Credit events coming up around the country at the moment as well, which are a great way to uh, rejuvenate and connect with the industry as well. And your your membership would be mainly, literally, industry credit managers. I mean, what what what's the sort of breakdown of your of your members? Literally, they're the people that are making those credit decisions day to day and chasing late payments and all that sort of stuff. Exactly. Yeah, we we say we represent the the coalface of the credit industry. Those people that are making the calls, they're making credit decisions to accept credit. Um, so they're doing the assessment of the risk of. Um, entities, uh, they're managing the account all the way through, managing that credit risk, chasing up payments as they start to become delinquent, um, managing hardship processes in the consumer space through to the um, enforcement and, and harder collection into the debt collection. And we have a great um, membership in insolvency and all those related fields as well, um, across all different industries as well. Every, anything where there's something sold on extended payment times, whether it's services or supplies, we've got members in it. And I guess that as the years have gone by in recent years, as I, I think I was saying earlier, I, I was involved in, as I was a member of the AICM uh, a number of years ago. But since I was involved, you know, there are there, there is a lot of legislation that can be, um, you know, your credit managers can get themselves into hot water, I, I suppose, mm. which is, you know, obviously one of the reasons they want to get accredited is because, you know, they're professional and they're proud of what they do and all the rest of it. But they also genuinely need that knowledge to... Uh, a, to do their jobs better, but also to stay out of a bit of hot water, I'd imagine? Yeah, definitely. It's, uh, there's a lot of knowledge needed from legal, as you mentioned, insolvency, um, general business, um, technology is a big part of it these days, obviously managing teams. So it's a very diverse um, skill set required to excel at it. And we, we try and help members in, in all those different areas. Uh, it's quite un, unrecognised, but maybe it's been recognised a lot more over the last 12 months as cash flow has been um, never more important as, as the pandemic rolled out. Um, and it's not until you point out to businesses that their largest asset of their business is likely to be their accounts receivable. And who have you got managing that? Oh, yeah, that person is quite important. And um, with reputation as well, that's becoming even more important in the consumer and, and small business space. Yeah, well, actually, hold that thought because that's something I wanted to talk a little bit about. I mean, you're right. That credit manager is responsible for so many different things. It's, it's one thing about who do we who do we extend credit to and how much, but it is it is the source of cash flow in the business. I mean, getting those getting those uh, receivables in is 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 where is where the payroll is coming from. Uh, but as you say, they're also managing those relationships. Uh, mm. you know, it's, it's always a balance. Um, you know, between, you know, how hard do you push to get the money back before you lose a customer sort of thing. All right, well, let's hold that thought. We'll just, uh, we'll just introduce our other guest uh, and I'll put you back into the waiting room, Nick. Uh, and Andrew, Andrew Spring from Jerry Sutherland. How are you? Very good, Nick. How are you? Thanks for having Fantastic. me. Fantastic. Thank you. Very good. Um, now, Andrew, you are a partner and restructuring expert with Jerry Sutherland. You're here in Sydney. Uh, you've been there for, for plenty of years. What is it that, that keeps you busy this week? Uh, well, I mean, uh, as you know, at Jerry Sutherland, we, we sort of focus um, predominantly on sort of insolvency and restructure work. So the, the weeks are always um, varied and interesting depending on, on sort of who needs our help um, at that time. So 
over the course of this week, um, I've had uh, a, a sort of upskilling in, in um, some new uh, renewable energy type um, businesses, whereby it's a plastics, a conversion of plastics to fuel. I, I didn't um, necessarily do very well at chemistry, so that, that was a bit hard to, to get my head around. Um, but that was interesting. I've had, um, I've had a. An so, so just dwell on that for a minute. So just what what, what does the business do? So it basically takes sort of um, end of life plastics and then converts them into a roadworthy fuel product that you can put into right. your car or truck. Uh, and they've 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 gone into administration or. Uh, yeah, yeah. So um, they've they've gone into administration. Subsequently, been wound up actually um, off the back of a petitioning creditor um, application. Um, but yeah, it's a it's an interesting um, an interesting business that's uh, or an interesting concept um, that's that's likely to see a little bit more um, uh, life as as sort of someone picks it up and moves forward with it. Yeah. So there's a bit of IP there. Certainly, yeah. The the um uh, the IP around the process itself is patented, um, so that's something that, that will obviously survive, notwithstanding what happens to the company itself. Okay. Oh, well, maybe someone watching this will give you a call and try and uh, <laughs> yeah. bid, up, bid up the price of that IP for you. Um, and tell me, I, what I'm speaking to some of your colleagues, uh, it, it does seem to me that what they are seeing a little bit more work now. But just as you've just said, it's not restructuring so much as uh, the things going into administration and getting wound up. There's not a lot of them, but what there is, is that a trend that you're seeing as well? Um, yeah, I, I think sort of the, the important thing to remember always with um, formal insolvency appointments is that as a general rule, um, it's, it's off the back of uh, some sort of ex external pressure um, being applied. Um, so, you know, over the course of the last... You know, 15 to 18 months, uh, there's been a, a real pull away um, from a community perspective around in asserting that pressure. And we were, we are seeing that, you know, with the, the forbearance measures the governments have, have sort of have put in place, um, having lifted now, there is the opportunity for the credit community to to apply a little bit more pressure if, if they feel that that's um, what's required. And so that will naturally then drive more conversations with, with us. Um, so, but but we're still a long way away from from perhaps uh, I guess a normal or an, a pre-COVID normal playing field in terms of of how um, banks, landlords, statutory creditors, um, and trade creditors are, are behaving, um, and certainly the, the business community itself. Um, we still have we still have the effects of the the stimulus measures that have been put in place, um, you know, sitting in, in businesses' bank accounts or balance sheets. So yeah, there's, it's it's um, it, it's starting to move back towards where we'd expect it, but but certainly not uh, um, nowhere near the the levels that we we'd seen before uh, COVID hit. Yeah, I think that the look certainly you, you talk about the cash sitting in the bank accounts. I th you know um, that's certainly uh, one issue. I mean, we're starting to see people uh, are beginning to talk to us, um, and and clearly it's because. You know, things were fine during the COVID and when they had all the support, but things are changing. But on the other hand, I guess it's it's a tendency for people like you and me, Andrew, that, that we always sort of look for the, the glass to be half empty because, you know, restructuring and all that sort of stuff is what we're involved in. But, you know, you pick up the papers every day and the economy's booming. Uh, you know, inflation's going to be a problem uh, if, if things continue the way they are. Um, the printing presses are still running. So maybe, you know, you and I should just go on extended leave. 
Yeah, well, it did say to my wife at the start before the stimulus measures uh, were announced, I'll see you in three years because I expected, like I think we all did, there to be a bit of a bloodbath. And mm. certainly the government um, reactions have been really good in terms of trying to stave that off. Um, it's likely that the sabbatical that we've been experiencing in a lot of ways is, is going to come to an end at some point. Um, but I don't think we'll see sort of the levels um, that were initially predicted, and that's a credit a credit to the decision makers. But at some point in time, there's no doubt that, you know, with insolvency numbers being low, um, new businesses being created, I think um, one of the stats was four to one uh, new businesses being created to that, that being closed. There's no, it's not, we're not in an environment where um, people have suddenly become better at running their business or it's become easier, should I say. Um, so it's likely that all of those really you know, challenging elements that go into running businesses are going to, to create some sort of um, uh, impact on, on a number of businesses and we'll see insolvency numbers go up. All right, well, look, uh, just uh, we might just bring Nick back uh, at this point in time. Um, we've got a slide number seven, the one that's called uh, corporate defaults. Can we just throw that up for a minute? And I just wanted to pick up on what Andrew was just saying about, uh, you know, where we're at in the cycle, really. And I just want to flash back this. Now, this this comes from the uh, AICM uh, risk report that you've just put out, Nick. Um, and, I, and I guess this is a story that, that shows the lag with the GFC. The GFC really was around 2008 is when it started. Uh, I think... Um, I think uh, the, the bank that went under went under in about June-ish. But you can see that it, there was a lag between that happening and the insolvencies happening. So is that sort of what you're talking about a little bit, Andrew? Uh, 100%, yes. I think what what, was, what you're seeing here, and, and, and it's also the tail um, that this slide doesn't really show, but the, the increased insolvency numbers post-GFC sort of continued for about uh, two to three years afterwards as well. So there is that. I think that just, if you think about it logically, it, it kind of makes sense in that an impact or an extraordinary event occurs. We then go through the entire process of how to deal with that, work, work to try and pivot or change our structure or do whatever we can to survive. So there's that hold on mentality. And then ultimately it takes a bit of time before the pinch comes and, and ultimately have to make a make a call on, on a, either you know, a formal appointment or, or some form of restructure. Well, I think also there's that hollow log effect where you mentioned before, for example, this time around, it's the JobKeeper and all the money that's gone into the bank accounts. And I'm sure there was something similar back when the GFC hit. There is a there is a lag because there's slack in the system that gets used up. Now, Nick, I'm just having a look at your, uh, your LinkedIn profile and I'm trying to work out in about 2008, um, <laughs> you were credit manager at Rico. Um, yeah. So I'm really curious... You know, we talk to a lot of accountants and insolvency and finance people here, but I'm really curious um, from, you know, from the trade point of view. And what was that like? You know, you were the credit manager at Rico. What was that like when the GFC hit? Yeah, it's um, very interesting. I remember it quite clearly because I think I got promoted to national credit manager uh, the week or the month of the Lehman Brothers collapse um, and the GFC really taking off. So uh, great conditions before that, low insolvencies, low risk and I take over an insolvency spike. Uh, not the best uh, induction to being a national credit manager, but um, yeah, definitely we, we saw that period there. And there were some other reforms around the same time with the ATO taking actions. And what we saw as that moved on was that, um, and it continued right up to GFC, 
is that insolvent businesses will be trading along as normal and then they'd wind up and close down. And that, that's because directors were very cautious to shut down if they're trading insolvent and they moved through and the ATO were taking their actions. And that what we're seeing now is the reverse of that. But we know there's some risk out there that all the debts have been paid down on our members' ledgers. Um, they've generally got the best ledgers they've ever had. Um, but we know the risk is out there. So um, we keep predicting a, a tsunami, as, as everyone's been saying, but is that going to come through? Have all the bad debts been paid through and businesses that are closed down have paid down and they just haven't gone through insolvency? They're the sorts of things that our members are working through at the moment. Now, that, that's very interesting you say that. So it's not just me. I mean, you, you, what you just said was that their ledgers are looking very healthy at the moment. Now, when you know, when all this started, you know, uh, you know, early last year, you know, in here, we all thought, my goodness, you know, all our all our receivables are going to suddenly come to a stop. But as mm -hmm. a matter of fact, uh, you know, touch wood, uh, our chargebacks or, you know, uh, you know, charging back at 90 days are at record lows. Uh, so that you're, you're saying that that's kind of an experience across across the board your end as well. Yeah, definitely. As, as I went around this year to, to see our members the first time getting back out to see them face to face around the country, I was cautiously saying that people are telling me that their ledgers are better than ever. Tell me if it's not, because I assume there'll be some with all our members in a diverse range of industries that hadn't had that experience. But across the board, um, you know, reports of days outstanding, not having any con uh, accounts above 60 days, which they've never had that sort of situation before. Um, most of them have got some lines that aren't moving, um, that are just delinquent. They don't see any reason to push for it, even now they can. Um, so they're just waiting for those to wind up. Um, but yeah, record lows um, sort of pinching themselves, but everyone's really worried about what's coming around the corner. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I know, it's interesting. It's like, you're probably like me, you're, at, you're sort of at the barbecue on, on the weekend and you're sort of a little bit, uh, I'm really cautious, and all your other friends are like, well, what are you talking about? You know, everything, the economy's <laughs> booming, the stock market's booming. Um, you've got another there, slide number eight, uh, which I think Creditor Watch should put in your report, uh, or pertain to that. Now, um, Andrew, th this is I'm sort of putting on a little bit on the spot here, but if you look at that um, graph, it's got number of days payment overdue by industry. And uh, Nick was saying earlier that some of them that you would expect to have blown out haven't blown out, hospitality, for example. But on the other hand, you know, construction definitely seems to have slowed down. Wholesale trade seems to have slowed down. Mining, no surprises there. Mining's business as usual. Um, anything in those stats there that, that sort of jump out at you, Andrew? Yeah, I, I found that really surprising. But then I guess just sort of briefly turning my mind to it, um, I, I think that the... This may well be a, a really um, useful reflection uh, of, of what it is that's that's happening in terms of this um, behavioural shift. So if we think about the industries that have blown out, they're the ones that have been least impacted by trading restrictions and probably been busiest through this time. So if they're if they're um, utilising essentially trade credit as a as a means of um, being able to manage their growth or their their increased demand. Um, then, then that may well be a good reflection of, of what the what business attitude is like to from a from a trade credit perspective, and those businesses that you would otherwise have expected to um, to have blown out days may well have been accessing stimulus. So that so I, I, in my experience, um, uh, directors of of corporate debtors are generally pretty keen to pay their trade 
their trade credit because that's how that how this, that's mostly their supply chain. So it may well be that by virtue of having, I guess, less demand, they want to keep their their suppliers happy because of the fact that when it dials back on, they're going to need their support. Okay. Anything? Uh, okay. Well, that, that's some interesting uh, points of view there, Nick. Anything that you'd sort of add to that on, on that yeah, chart? I think it points to where the pressures are being felt. It's not so much because of the pandemic. It's more because of other factors and I guess it's pandemic in, induced and a lot of the concern is with our members where they're worried about their customers um, viability and their customers cust customers viability going through and the supply chain risk is the big one when you look in construction and maybe mm. that's a lot of the, the the payment time pressures there that if they can't get the widgets in to finish the construction and the progress payments are, are slowed up and that slows up the whole chain so the supply chain and other sort of um, systematic risks are probably where the insolvencies and, and credit risk is going to come from. Yeah, one thing that I'm really interested in is when the supply chain does come back, because there are obviously uh, issues with supply chain, everything's clogged up uh, ports around the world for various reasons. But there's one theory that when that comes back online that the demand may have dropped away. But I'm just interested, um, there, is a, there is an ancient, well, a biblical contest, uh, Nick, a biblical contest uh, of credit versus sales. And I, I once gave this slide presentation to an AICM day uh, about 15 years ago. On the first day, God created salespeople. And on the second day, he created credit managers to clean up the mess. Uh, <laughs> is that would, that would that be a sentiment that's still largely felt by your membership? Um, I'll be lying if I didn't say yes, that's a, a, a right <laughs> sentiment. Um, I, I think we were talking before about the value of credit managers and the, that they're looking after the biggest assets of the business. Um, they also have the biggest insight to the mess, I guess, that um, happens within a business and whether it's sales or logistics or products. You mentioned I worked at Ricoh Photocopiers for a long time. Um, one of the things I was able to diagnose as a credit manager was a fault in a machine because I could see that these customers are all complaining about a certain machine, a certain problem with a machine, and that was fed back to tech support and they're able to diagnose the real cause of it. Um, so, you know, credit sees all the problems because if there's a problem, there's a non-payment um, and that's that's credit part credit department's problem. Yeah, well, that's that's very true. I mean, I know I know in our experience as well. I mean, we see receivables, and, and we have a saying. I mean, it's not my saying; it's a saying in our industry that people either don't pay because they can't pay or they won't pay. And the won't pay is like you say, if there's something wrong with the machine, you know yourself. If you if you order something and it arrives, you know, at the restaurant, and you, it's not what you ordered. You're not going to pay for it. Uh, mm. So so I mean, who's in the ascendancy at the moment? I mean, is it credit or sales? Because a year ago, I, you would have thought the credit managers. Were were in the ascendancy because everyone would have been worried about what's happening. But now there is no doubt that parts of the economy are very hot. Uh, and, and I just wonder if sales would just be there going, well, look, nothing bad's happened in the last 12 months. You know, mm -hmm. new credit guys need to take a back seat. Yeah, definitely they're in the, the front seat and, and the boardroom seat as, as the pandemic kicked off. Um, some credit managers that hardly spoke to the CFO or board about credit risk were having weekly and daily meetings as they're assessing those sorts of impacts um, and that stayed very much the case throughout it because we're all concerned about that risk there's a lot of uncertainty out there um, and what credit managers deal well with is that uncertainty um, so definitely still very um, front of mind um, but yeah there has been a shift so now we need to get those sales happening if 
business has had drop sales, those sales need to be caught up and there's still that risk there. So yeah, that's something we see as a big challenge coming forward, how we support the business to make sales. There's no point in credit preventing sales because we won't get paid, no one will get paid if there aren't sales, but equally people won't get paid if they're not if the sales aren't paid for. So um, that tension, that, that relationship is more important than ever. Okay. Um, now, Andrew, in the uh, in in that report, in the uh, in the risk report, the AICM's risk report, you had an article. Uh, we'll just flash up the the article there, uh, and it was called uh, "How to Bring Clients Back to the Future." Um, so, I'm just curious about a couple of things uh, in that article. Firstly, um, you talk about bringing people back to business as usual. So, I guess you you've been talking a little bit about behaviour. Uh, so far, you know, this afternoon as we've been talking. I mean, what do you mean about getting customers back to business as usual? And yeah, what do you I think the challenges are? Yeah, I think the um, the idea around bringing them back to the future, um, which is probably spawned off the off, off the fact that I'm trying to introduce some of my, my children to some of the old movies that I enjoyed as, <laughs> when I was younger. But in any event, um, the, the concept is really about understanding that the core behaviours that exists between a creditor and a debtor um, have been sort of upset, I suppose, over the course of the last 15 months. Um, the the goalposts were moved, you know, there were, you know, the stat demand um, period was extended out to six months and, you know, the threshold was increased. Um, there was lots of different ways that, um, that people were able to defer their obligations. And that, you know, for the right reasons was done, but ultimately you can't remain that way forever. So it was really around, the idea around that that piece was was really about how to then slowly, with engaging through that relationship, bring it back to a more normalised position so that, so that you, you're starting to deal with the uncertainty and help you know, manage that risk, you know, the debt of risk. So maybe the, the metaphorical tracky dacks have got to come off and uh, <laughs> the work pants have got to go back on, I suppose, is what you're saying. It's, we're, we're, we're not there anymore. Yeah, in, in a lot of ways, that's right. Although it's, maybe this is the challenge is that um, some of the things that, that have come out of, uh, you know, the last 12 months, including what we're doing right now, um, are, are really valuable for businesses. And I think just touching on what Nick was saying that he was hearing from some of his members about being, you know, front and centre in the boardroom is is actually a, not a bad um, thing to maintain, if at all possible, whereby that, that real communication piece between the various elements within the business, whether it be sales, credit or, or other, um, is, is a focus going forward and, and maybe using the technology to do that is something that, that people are going to be able to um, uh, going to be able to use. So I think some, not all the behaviours that have changed are ones that need to go back. But, but certainly what I think is important here is that, you know, obviously debtors can't rely on continued forbearance. Creditors can't rely on debtors, uh, you know, having essentially free money given to them, which is propping, propping up their ability to pay. So it's, it, you know, the fundamentals of assessing your credit risk and, and the trade credit relationships that exist in your business um, need to come back. And I think the, the starting point there is just about effective communication and whether that be inside your business or, or with your, um, you know, to, to assess how it is your salespeople are going about finding that, that you know, that new top up sales or whether it's how you're dealing with the customers once they're onboarded. Um, you know, it's a fundamental that, that everybody was um, was dealing with pre-COVID and it needs to, that needs to come back, I think. Yeah, I guess it is a fundamental, in, 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 as I was saying a little bit earlier before we sort of went live, that um, 
there is a balance for the credit manager. On one hand, you know, it's their job to make sure that the, the, the debts are collected and, and, and uh, you know, people are paying on time and all that sort of stuff because it is it is the cash flow of the business and that's where payroll is coming from. Uh, on the other hand, of course, you know, I'm sure that you see the, the, the salesperson walks in and says, oh, you lost my customer because you, you upset them when you rang them up to chase a bill. But I've always said it's, it's if, if you're not paying, you know, if you're paying too far behind terms and they're not a good customer in any case. Look, we, we just, I just wanted to um, segue on to consumer credit, maybe a bit of a tie with the idea of relationships and consumer credit. I came across an interesting article uh, this week about orthodontists. Um, and it was uh, the Orthodontist Association or whatever it is for orthodontists were communicating with, with their membership um, saying that they've got to coach and educate, and this is a point that you're making, Andrew, about education and behaviours, uh, educate to, to get paid and put in systems for getting paid because, uh, you know, little Susie or little uh, little Billy's in the is in the chair getting their, their mouth wired up or whatever it is that orthodontists do. And then there's this uh, relationship breakdown and mum says, well, I'm not paying for Susie's teeth. And dad says, well, I'm not paying for, for Susie's teeth. And it does, it does go to highlight um, you know, there are every industry is different, and every industry must have special challenges. But I guess that's a bit of a consumer issue there. And I'm not really in consumer world, but Nick, you you do get across uh, consumer credit issues a lot. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's something that um, we're doing a lot more work on, and um, I think that all ties in really well. That we're um, talking about communication, and it's very important for. Um, credit professionals and orthodontists that have credit risk to, to have clear communication with their customers, but also process and procedure. And that situation is not unique to orthodontists. We've done similar training in healthcare and in, in schools, obviously um, private and, and those sorts of schools where that sort of issue will obviously arise as well. Um, and it comes down to the fundamentals of credit to, to get clear contracts and agreements and everything clear up front. So when something does break down, there's some something to rely on, some clarity as to who whose roles are, are what. Um, but yeah, in the consumer space and, and also the SME space is a, a big focus for our members as well. Um, we've seen a lot of change in that area um, with all the stimulus that's gone through. Um, a lot of consumers have been able to pay, back, pay down their debts as well. And that's a great thing that we know that debt and financial concerns have a direct link to mental health. So while it's not great, super balances have been withdrawn. If they have been used to take that mental toll and stress off individuals, that's going to have a great um, outcome in the future. Um, and what we have seen is where hardship and uh, financial issues for consumers have arisen. It's, there's a lot higher prevalence of uh, vulnerability and hardship and, and mental health issues driving that. So. That's very much evident, and we see that very clearly in the consumer space, um, and something that's really growing of prevalence in the, the small business space as well, because those small businesses aren't just businesses, they're people. Um, and it's easy for the small business owner to, to keep that personal aspect hidden, um, and for credit professionals to deal with them just on a commercial basis without recognising the, the mental health impacts of a business having cash flow issues and, and financial concerns. So that's a big area for us to support our members in that because they're interacting with these vulnerable people at a very hard point in their life. Um, and it's just about money for us, but um, we're dealing with that toll as well. So supporting them through that. So 
the consumers and the individuals on the other side have the best possible outcome through it as well. Yeah. Okay. And and of course that whole you know as soon as you're talking about consumer finance, you're talking about uh, regulation and a, a whole lot of uh, uh, extra le legal legal headaches mm. potentially as well. Andrew, I noticed uh, you know we've been talking a little bit about healthcare and, and and on that one of those earlier slides where we're looking at the industries, uh, you know healthcare was one of those areas where days have blown out. Do you, do you come across much uh, in, in the healthcare sector in in your travels in insolvency? Yeah, um, well, not it's not sort of the um, you know the primary source of work. Although I was involved in uh, sort of a, a trading sale of um, of some dentist clinics uh, through the you know, through last year, um, and that was that was sort of more driven by uh, disputes at, at shareholder level. Um, and I suspect that you, know, you might probably see more of of that type of um, involvement from our perspective where, where it's just you know, the partners have, um, have sort of like had a falling out or, or, or can't work together anymore. But yeah, the healthcare space is, is generally um, not, not an area that we see a, a lot of work in. Getting back to Nick's point um, about about the mental health issues, I suppose that 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 that, that happen. Uh, yeah, I mean, I've seen a couple of matters lately where yeah, it's one partner. The partnerships are falling apart. You know, it's one one business owner uh, trying to take control uh, for where for whatever reason. You know, I guess I don't know. I suppose as the job keeper wears off and all the all the support mechanisms fall away, and they're back to a two wheel bicycle. Um, that, that the relationships start to get uh, a little bit frayed. All right. Well, look, we we're running we are running out of time uh, a little bit. So uh, I might ask you first, Nick, for uh, sort of any closing thoughts on we you know where we are in terms of uh, you know the business cycle um, uh, and, and the sort of special challenges that you think your your members are facing, and, and we'll just sort of close on those sorts for you. Yeah, it's um, definitely an interesting environment. We're, we're looking at our conference in October and the, the theme there is bringing clarity from uncertainty and I think that's definitely what we've got at the moment. We've seen a lot of change um, that relying on historical financial information has never been great and it's becoming more and more um, irrelevant as, as the dynamic and the changes have, have flowed through. Um, the, the great growth environment that we're seeing at the moment, how long can that continue and what pressures are that creating? Um, it'll lines up for our members to be uh, a great time for them to prove their worth within their business and um, that they continue to be under pressure and challenge but um, managing cash flow has never been more important and probably the silver lining that i see on this is um, our members have been really able to dig into their processes and if there's something that hasn't been working that was brought to light um, this time last year as all the stresses were being felt um, so business is now in a position to invest in that focus on that improvement so that they can weather any other storms that come through because i'm not sure if we have further storms like this that how much more the government can prop it all up so hopefully we all learn from that and make sure we are um, building that um that base that, that strong structure to be able to weather any further storms you know, I guess it's interesting that you said you said there about uh, you know looking at financials and the trouble is that the financial data from the 2021 financial year is not you know, it's going to be uh, a bit, a, a sort of a bit out of place, isn't it? Where it's not like you're going to be able to normally analyse it in the context that you, you normally would year to year. So I guess there's a whole range of extra skills that your members need to sort of to bring to the table. Andrew, any sort of closing thoughts on um, your, your end? 
Yeah, sure. Um, look, we're still in a, a very um, uh, an environment with a, a lot of uncertainty. So I guess touching on a couple of um, points that we've mentioned, one is beware that lag, i.e. That, that there is going to be um, an increase in insolvencies. Um, I think there's something like 2.8 million businesses in the country. It doesn't take, um, if, if we had 5,000 insolvency appointments last year, it's not a big percentage increase. So whilst there may well, it feels like everything's uh, peachy for a lot. If, a, if it's only one or half a percent of businesses that are, that are struggling, that's 99% are doing well. And they might be, might be um, you know, the, the hidden ones that you get caught with. And I think that goes a long way to, to what um, also Nick was saying about the mental health element. Um, I, when, when I spoke at uh, the RCM's insolvency seminar, one of the things that came through pretty loud and clear from the members was that they want to engage with their customers with empathy. And I think that's a, that's a great lesson that we can take out of uh, the, you know, the, this period is that we've sort of all been in it together. We've all, we've all had to deal with lockdowns. We've all had to deal with trading restrictions. And that empathetic approach is something that, that we can use to overlay that effective communication piece I was talking about earlier. And I think the, the sort of last comment I'd probably make is that, that it's, you've got to take action. So whether it be as part of the, the credit assessment process, the ongoing risk assessment process, or in dealing with, with your customers about taking, taking action at the appropriate times, picking up the phone, understanding their business, and then working with them and all the other stakeholders. And if that happens to be an insolvency practitioner, then, then working with them to achieve an outcome that, that is the best one that's available for both the people and the business. Um, it is about dollars, but it's also about people. Okay, well, that's uh, that's very interesting. As a matter of fact, I, I did notice a bit of a theme through that uh, through that uh, risk report um, of getting to know your customer and uh, not only knowing your customer, but your customers' customers. Uh, so I think that might have sort of uh, been something that you touched on in your article in that piece as well. All right, well, some great advice and some great insights. So thank you, uh, thank you, Andrew Spring and uh, Nick Palavides for joining us here on Lunch Money today. It's been fantastic. Uh, very grateful for your uh, for you coming along today. Uh, thank you to everybody who's uh, watched us live and thank you to everybody who's uh, listening to us later on, on the podcast. Don't forget to share, like and subscribe and uh, we'll do it all again soon. Cheers.